When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. I've been north and I've been south and I've been east and west. I've been just a rolling stone. Yet there's one place on this earth I've always liked the best. Just a little town I call my own. But Dublin can be heaven with coffee at eleven and a stroll in Stephen's Green. No need to hurry, no need to worry, you're a king and the ladies a queen. Grafton streets of wonderland, there's magic in the air. There are diamonds in the lady's eyes and gold dust in her hair. And if you don't believe me, come and meet me there in Dublin on a sunny summer morning. It would be difficult to find a starker contrast with Noel Purcell's heavenly view of Dublin than to take the short walk to the Sheriff Street flat complex, a mere ten minutes from Grafton Street. But the flats complex is in a terrible condition. There's no doors on the chutes. The showers are all coming up their bathrooms, coming up their wash-hand basins, coming up their sink in their little kitchens. Oh, it's, um, you have to cross to get into the preschools. We have a preschool and a creche down here. And to get to them, you have the sewage is pouring into the street and we have to bring the little children across, bring the children through all that to get into the preschool and into the creche, which is, is unbelievable. You have to see it to believe it. Sheriff Street's flat complex in Dublin's North Wall is home to some 360 inner-city families. Its nearest and newest neighbour is the 27-acre site housing what will be the largest single property development in Ireland's history. The Custom House Dock Scheme carries with it many hopes, local and national. The flats were built between 1942 and 56. Peg Byrne, Jerry Fay and Breda Doolan have lived here all their lives and have seen many changes in the area over the years. When I was born exactly on the front door of the 27 acres, which was number one Julian Place in Mare Street, that's between the complex of Sheriff Street, the flats, and then Mare Street on the back of the flat. I was born there, number one, and when I was seven years of age, we were moved into Lawrence's Mansions. We lived, I lived there up to the time I got married. I um, got a flat then in Bridget's Gardens, 73 St. Bridget's Gardens, and I lived there up to 20, for 21 years, 
And I got this house over here, a new house in the inner city. One of the new houses in Civil Place. And I'm here three years. But over the years, as I was born and raised in the community, I remember the good days when there was plenty of work, plenty of community spirit, which is still here. But I also remember before the flats were built when we had little farms and horses, cows, chickens, you name it. We had little farms down here, which was a happier child life that the poor children today have, you know. So it ended up in any event, Bridget's Gardens went up. Like, it was really... I think they really built them. As I got older, I realised they built them a docker of mind. Because at that time, there was only casual docking on the quay. Like, you know, one day a week, your husband was lucky, your father was lucky to get one or two days a week on the quay, payments, work. But then they brought in uh, button men. And I was getting older, I began to undolls down this, and then there was still casualisation, you could still get a time on the quay. But then when we seen that the dock started to develop a bit, to me it looked like it was developing, which I thought, but it wasn't, it was decaying. There was a lot of factories in the area where young girls and young men saved their time. Apprenticeships. I mean, they didn't call them apprenticeships then. You just went in, out of school, you left school when you were 14, which there was an awful lot of big families in the area. I mean, there was no such thing as a small family in this area. There was always over 9, 10, or 11, 12 children in every family. So we all kind of went to work, because some of us had to, some didn't. So we could always save our time as apprenticeship. For the sewing, there was uh, knitting, there was, oh good God, it was, I can't think of them all now, but there was a lot of little factories, upholsteries and all that, and bottling factory. There was loads of places you could go, just walk out of your own hall door into work. And you were employed. That time there was work in the inner city, I suppose. They were kind of a community that was so close and so knitted together. They never had to go outside the North Wall for a job, because it was always there. So which it, when they grew up, they were never allowed to walk outside the community. You weren't to go any further than your own community. The managing dads were strict on that rambling business for children. So we got that, they, them had a, they had a fear of going outside to look for employment. Well, I was born in Sheriff Street, a little less uh, avenue off Sheriff Street, called Sand there, uh, Lagans Street, actually. And uh, uh, at the time, there were, there were no flats. There were just uh, a series of little streets and backyards and what have you. And Shelf Street at that time was a kind of a thriving community. You had every type of shop in it. You had the chemist, the post office. You had actually five pubs in it at one time. Well, I remember going around. My granny lived in Sheriff Street, beside where Noctis is now, and my aunt Bridget. And you had chickens and a talkie, I remember, one Christmas. My mother asked me to kill it for Christmas dinner. <laughs> That's the truth. And That's did she? She, uh, she brought him down to uh, Mr. Green. He was a greengrocer. And he rang his neck. <laughs> the and you had it for Christmas dinner, did you? We did. Yeah. Were there many people in the area who had poultry? I only I remember me and Bridget and Clicky Murphy, as we called him, down Clicky's Lane. He had chickens and he had donkeys, goats. And I think that's all they had. Is yeah. that close to where the flats are now? Clicky's Lane straight across the road, yeah, and from the flats. Is it all gone now? No, Clicky's still there, but he has donkeys now. What did you think of the flats when you moved into them first? They were lovely flats, and we had extra. We had a bathroom that we never had with a bath, toilet separate. So I lived in cottages, which was no bath, and you had an outdoor toilet. 
That was great, no, that was great when we got that, like, I mean, then we had our own bedrooms. The girls and the boys and mummy and daddy had their own separate bedrooms, which was good. But we hadn't got... My mummy was off the uh, house in Eastwell, and so was a lot of the people, like, in the cottages in Mare Street years ago. We were offered them um, houses, like, like Ballybuck, old Ballybuck houses, and they were offered East Wall when they opened, and they turned them down because they were very small, made inside, and their bath was in their kitchen. So they felt like the bedrooms were bigger in the flats, the children they had, and the bathroom tile was separate from everything. Tell me your memory of the flats when you were growing up. Well, I remember they were maintained terrific in them days. Like, we had no problem maintaining this, and we had caretakers that came down every morning. We actually lived in the flat. Christy American was his name. He lived in Ernest's mansion. Christy used to, very, very strict there he was. He wouldn't know swing on poles or anything else, play football play roundhouse as we played, then we weren't allowed in playing the flat at all. What do you remember as being the good times in this area? Mm. Good times, I would think, would be around, uh, possibly around the early 60s. Because uh, at that time, uh, there seemed to be always full employment. Maybe it's always different looking back, but uh, there was always kind of, you could always pick up a day's work. Uh, the key was fairly busy at the time. Uh, the B&I was, uh, you could pick up a day's work at the B&I, be casual work, but you could do it. Uh, Gulding's factory was there, which was seasonal work, had the ever fresh. All the little factories around the place, and you had all the timber yards, you had the Keefe's, Dinah Dowdles, McNaughton's. There were several more, McFerdin and Guildford's, that have since moved out to uh, various industrial estates. But they were all part and parcel of the area. And uh, there was always something to be done. We had a, there was a major printing factory just here in Seven Place, Sherry and Smaldridge. They were there, and there always seemed to be work available. And uh, and uh, like the community was a more kind of vibrant community at that time. So I I would say like that uh, they were probably the best times in my recollection of many of them. A vibrant, thriving community in the early 60s, but it wasn't to last. Things began to decline with the the decline of work on the docks. And uh, in around the 60s or so, uh, the containerization came onto the docks and work slowed down then. A lot of the factories, you had a lot of the coal yards around the place. It's places like Donnelly's just up the road here, Gill Street. You had Dorothy's, Michael Lennon's, and we're in the port and docks, the 27-acre site you had Nichols. You had two coal yards there, I can't remember the other one. Nichols was one anyhow. But they were all amalgamated under the CDL, and that that was set up over in in, the, in Rings End, and that was job opportunity loss. You also had the containerisation, as I said previously, of the docks where workers now were more or less uh, came in in containers, so it eliminated a great deal of men. You had the the closing of the of Golings, the the fertiliser plant, and you had a lot of little factories around the area, little sawn factories and places like that that moved out to the new industrial estates and literally tore the heart out of the, out of the place. And uh, a lot of the families moved out and then they were replaced by problem families. And this this was actually the, 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 the start of the deterioration of the area as such. Theresa Kavanagh lives in one of the flats and she brought me around the complex. Well, we're in the middle block now with St. Lawrence's Mansions and there's a lot of flats bricked up. There's shoots without doors, there's poles broken outside, bricked up flats, all sewerage, most times 
the raw sewage just runs out on the ground where all the kids play. As I said, there's no doors on the chutes, all the dirt has been pulled out all over the place. If the caretaker is not around on time for the bin men when they're emptying the bins, they just drive by the chutes and they don't empty the bins at all. And what exactly are the chutes for? The chutes is for all rubbish and where the people dispose all their dirt. But I just think it's an awful health hazard. It's a worry to mothers when they've young children playing around. I mean, on a sunny day, the kids do be filthy dirty. We're after having an epidemic, a bad epidemic of scabies down here. And ch an awful lot of sickness, children with chest infections, coughs, just kids going into in and out of hospital all the time. Most days I have to throw buckets of water now disinfecting outside where I live because I only live a few yards away from the shoe just to try and keep the flies down. You can't leave your windows open for very long on a hot sunny day because the place is just swarming with flies. And do you think that's because of the shoots not being maintained? It is because of the shoots and most of the shoots, well there's one, there's four shoots in the six blocks in Erdens' Mansions that has no doors. There's a uh, two chutes in one of the blocks, one of the doors is off two year and on the opposite side the door is off that three year. So the corporation are saying they'll put new doors on, they have to contract welders to come down and put them on, that they don't do them themselves and this is what the whole the hold up is, that they have to con get in contact with a contractor to do the shoot doors. There's a lot of bricked up flats, some of them is open, the kids are able to get into them, there's water. Most of them is flooded and haven't been cleaned out properly by the corporation since they've been flooded. I'm living in between two bricked up flats and both those flats has been um, flooded each side of me. And I'm sure that most of the water has seeped in, you know, in through my flat. Now that flat over there with some of the bricks missing from the top of it, what exactly is going on over there? Well, that's the, the flat over the shop in the front of Sheriff Street, that has concrete slabs missing off the roof of it. And that girl's flat is in a bad way too. When it rains, the, it means that the, the rain and the dampness is going down all in between the bricks. And that place is just getting destroyed. And she has reported to the corporation, but they just don't seem to bother. And directly beside her, there's a boarded up flat. Has that been like that for long? Well, there's three bricked up flats. There's one beside her on the balcony and there's two over her. They've been bricked up for the last year. Does that cause problems? Yeah, well, it does. I mean, the, the bricks is being knocked over and the corporation is not bothered in coming back down to brick them back up. So it means kids can get in and it's dangerous and it's a health hazard. I think the idea just is to let the flats get so run down. My opinion is that they just want to drive the people out. That's why they're not being properly maintained. Let it run down into a slump completely and then force the people. They'll have no choice, but if they offer them out of the area and out of the community, that'll just take it because they'll be so fed up. I contacted Dublin Corporation about the maintenance of the flats and was told that their 1987-88 maintenance budget had been cut by £1.5 million, that detailed plans for the refurbishment of the flats were being held in abeyance due to resistance from the local community and that any policy to knock down the flats and replace them with houses in the area would be unattainable at present. Really, the housing condition in the area is very bad. We got some new houses which is 100, 130, 
which there's also a lot of old houses in the area too. But the flats complex, it's in a terrible condition. There's no doors on the chutes. The showers are all coming up their bathrooms, coming up their wash hand basins, coming up their sink in their little kitchens. Oh, it's um, you have to cross to get into the preschools. We have a preschool and a creche down here. And to get to them, you have the sewage is pouring into the street and we have to bring the little children across, the people in the flats do, bring the children through all that to get into the preschool and into the creche, which is, is unbelievable. You have to see it to believe it. And when you report it, to have something done about it, they'll come down, they'll do a job, but they're not doing the proper job. They're just patching here and patching there. Is there ongoing maintenance? Not anymore. I firmly believe corporation might contradict me on that, but um, they're not. They're not maintained. They haven't maintained it in a, properly. They might stick something together in case you break your neck and you sue them, but that's about it. Now, they came there a year ago, a year and a half ago, they asked. They gave the, a referendum in the area on refurbishing the flats. And the people of the area had a vote. There was a big meeting called in AGM. Everyone turned up, there was over five, six hundred people at it. There was plans um, displayed in our playgrounds and people went in and looked at them. But the, the display that was on the playground, the flats up around the corner on the North Strand, was like, exactly like the flats, our flats they were renovating, like you're not going to refurbish them like them flats. I mean, they didn't work. So we felt that it wouldn't work down here either. Like, you know, refurbish them was going to make it any different. Uh, would reduce reduce the population in the flats. So we're taking two family units and making it one family unit for one family to live in. So it was rejected by the people. They want houses. And they stressed it really for them. They wanted houses. With the decline of the Docklands came the inevitable social problems of high unemployment and increasing crime. Well, the last time we'd done a survey in the community, oh, about three years ago, I was running youth employment schemes at the time, and we got, uh, we got around, we went from door to door to find out the population, the unemployment, no, the population, um, age groups, how many was living in every family unit, who was employed, who was unemployed. And we came, at that time, we got 75% unemployed. That was three years ago. But I don't think it's much better now. I think it's a little higher, if anything. Now, so as the years went on, there was no employment because Sheriff Street started getting the bad name. Now, what I can't understand, everything is based on Sheriff Street. Sheriff Street is a small little street in the North Wall community, which is the name of Sheriff Street got the bad name. I don't know why everyone just picked that one name, because it's a North Wall area. We're all so close here together. It's not a very big community. And just one name got one street got a bad name. So everybody in the whole North Wall community got a bad name. Why did they get a bad name? Because there was no there was no employment in the area. And Borden, through no employment, they kind of vandalized, pulled things here and pulled things there. It wasn't that they meant to vandalize the community as such. It was just like scraping paint off a rain. It was called vandalizing the community then. It wasn't break you weren't breaking down walls or houses or flats or anything. Like sitting on the wall, scraping the railings or something like that, you know. Or sitting in the square where they had a, they had this big square, like in the flats complex, the yard, people called it. 
with the clotheslines on it. They sit there and kind of crack digging her up, you know, with nothing to do. Now, for the fact, I know people down here that came down here when Bridge Gardens open, and our young men today, families, they never knew what work was. So some of them went out and provided for the families the best way they knew how, which was crime. The rest just done their best and they're still slugging along, but they never went into crime. Problems in the area are mainly lack of em employment and lack of training and, and lack of kind of any kind of future for the younger kids coming up. Uh, there's a cycle there like where some of the fathers now, young, fairly young fellas, maybe 25, 26, 27, have probably never worked in their life. And uh, the chances are some of the kids now growing up, 8, 9, 10, 11, are likely to, to follow the same route. Uh, like, but m most vandalism that, that occurs in, in Shadow Street is, is vandalism of a kind where they break a window of a, a, a car or they break into something or other, like, you know. It's vandalism without any real gain. It's, it's actually destructive kind of vandalism, and that's, that to me is a kind of a, is a symptom of, of uh, the unemployment situation and, and the fact that people could, could see it as a, as a not much future and as a no hope, really. Kids hang around the corner. Was uh, unfortunately, like uh, as I say, the media, the media always uh, took her up there and, and seen it as a kind of a quick headline and a, a kind of that kind of situation and highlighted that end of it rather than highlighted the the positive things that happened in the area. Sister and brother Edel and Sean Byrne are typical of young people living in the North Wall community. They are both unemployed and see little hope of any change in their situation. And what are the prospects for Sheriff Street in the future, do you think? I don't really know. <laughs> do you think there's a lot of problems in the area? Well, there is with no work. Like, there is people that do, like, do want work and they can't get it. Like, they go out, they have to been going out for so many years looking for jobs and jobs. They just get fed up looking. And why do you think they don't get the jobs? I don't really know. Like, most say it's from, they say they're from Sheriff Street. And others say because they haven't got the qualifications for it. You know, it's all different things, you know, what they say. And what difference does it make that you're from Sheriff Street, do you think? It's because um, the people, the way they talk about it, writing the paper about it. Because everything is, everything is bad, what they write. They never say anything good about Sheriff Street. They don't say, you can leave a key in your door and go out, leave your door wide open, go out for a drink. And can you? Yeah. Do you do that? Yeah, we do. We always leave a key in the door. And there's a lot, an awful lot of people as well that leave their key in the door. They even leave their doors wide open when they're going uptown and come back and there's nothing to talk. And what about the high level of unemployment? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't think half of them will get any jobs. Most of them won't. And it's really hard. It's going to be worse for the kids that's only growing up. Because all they have is anchor courses and where are they going to go from there? No way. Some might get jobs out of anchor courses, but an awful lot don't. No get jobs from them. And what are you doing yourself at the moment? Well, I'm doing the, um, well, I've finished this course, I'm in a year. I was at the doing six months, and me and another girl got brought back supervisor. So we did another six months, and um, we'll be finishing in two weeks' time, and there's no way for us to go now after that. And tell me, what about all of your friends? Are they working? No. Well, the friends I hung around with since I was young, none of them is working. Well, three of them, four of them is unmarried mothers at the moment. 
Nogen af os På til de går fra jobs i det. De er ikke kostet. Vi alle er ikke kostet. Tænk, vi skal job over. Men vi er det. Kan jobs over, de er ikke kostet. Vi går en job for de past tre weeks, og not one of them ever got a job. They have stamps proving that they weren't looking for the jobs. And no one's ever, even two weeks experience work, they still wouldn't take them on. They said no, there's none. And the thing is, like, when you do an ankle course, if you do two ankle courses, you have to be a year over the course before you're allowed to do another one. So, like, if you if you could go, f like, if you like sound, and some could go for knitting, and communications, as we did, and cooking, you wouldn't be able to go for them. Because you have to, if you do t 12 months, you have to be a year over before you do another course. So still, you, I left out right on the streets for another year before you can get a chance to do another course because there's no way you're going to get a job. What does the future hold for you? Well, I don't think about the future or anything like that because there's nothing from now when you're looking at it, there's nothing for you. So people like down here, some people that I know say, what's the use of thinking about what's going to happen because you could be dead? could walk and get a smack of a bus or anything like that. So I used to think about the future. What, com what comes, it comes. Sean, where are you from? I'm from um, the Northwall area. It's the Street area mostly, you know. I've been living down here all my life. And um, up to a couple of years ago, I moved out to new houses. And then I got married and I moved back to the flats. Do you think you'll ever move out of this area? I won't, no. I don't think I'll be able to move out of this area. Some schemes, because living down here all your life, it'd be very hard to survive out there moving straight out, you know? It'd be very hard for me, anyway. What are the prospects, though, for somebody like you, a young person living in this area? Well, there's no prospects at all at the moment. Like, there's nothing on the dockland at all. What about employment? Are you employed at the moment? Well, I'm not employed, no. But, um... When did you last work? Oh, um, 85. Between 85. That was on and off in 85. It wasn't for a full year I worked for, you know. But um, I've done a bit of building work and that, you know. Most of the building work that I worked on. Like I worked, on, I worked with Hannah Brothers Brocks and that, you know. And how long have you been unemployed for? I've been unemployed now about three, four years. Three years, straight out. The proposed Custom House Docks development will include an elaborate network of offices, private dwellings, shops, restaurants, an art gallery, a museum and an international hotel. Its flagship will be a major financial services centre. Private investment will raise about £250 million and will be supplemented by a massive package of government tax incentives, including double rent allowance, full rates remission and a special 10% corporation tax rate. Official sources estimate that 1,500 construction jobs will be generated on the site within two years and that on completion it will provide 8,000 permanent jobs of which there will be 6,000 white-collar and 2,000 service jobs. Local people told me their reactions to the scheme. They are welcome, welcome in it, but they have three fears. One is, will they be housed in the area? They don't want to leave the area. Will they get the majority of the work in the area, which will give them a good chance in life? Like, work wage means educate, being able to educate your children. Um, there's a lot of fear that... that they feel that everything is just a gentleman's agreement and they're not getting a fair deal at all.
And it is true in a way. They're not getting a fair deal. But they are already willing now to fight for a fair deal. That they can't just come in and sweep us under the carpet. Well, I would see the Custom House Stock Development as a great opportunity for this area. Because this area has been deprived and neglected over the last 15 to 20 years. And uh, if uh, this custom house development, 27 acres, say, hadn't happened, it, it, the chances are it would be left to rust. Possibly, maybe some uh, these refurbishment schemes, which are uh, really not the answer. They're only a kind of a stopgap effort. But however, I would see it as a great opportunity, providing the other people on the other side of the fence, that's the people in the authority, see it also as an opportunity to revitalise the area and they don't see the area as a kind of a threat to them or being in the way. In similar developments in the Albert Docks in, in Liverpool and in the London development the Isle of Dogs, we have had guys over like talking from them areas and I was listening to a fellow in Liberty Hall last week, a fellow called Ted Johns from the community in the Isle of Dogs and uh, the guy you put the fragrance on, on you just listening to him like uh, what, what they were uh, promised and what uh, they were told like and didn't materialise and he maintains that uh, unemployment has, has gone up in the area by uh, 10% at the end of it all and there was like 28 local jobs so uh, we're hoping that that won't be the, the case here however on the positive side we would see it as an opportunity and we would hope that the powers that be would see it as an opportunity uh, to bring a social dimension into into the whole situation and would see us as part of the of the whole new complex and uh, that they would build houses uh, for the people and uh, give them proper jobs proper training and that way like it would help to rejuvenate and, and build up the whole inner city which most experts will tell you that uh, the future of any city is, is to have a, a living city rather than, we say, a city that closed down a half five at night and they all go home to somewhere or other, you know. Are people very worried then that they might be moved out of the area? People are very apprehensive because they, they're hearing the, the rumours and they're, they're looking at the, what's going on around them. You've uh, this 300 million pound development directly in front of them. And recently the Minister announced an extension to uh, the, 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 the developments taken in the 12 acres in uh, what's known as Mare Street, which runs parallel with the flats. So the flats is, is simply now being boxed in, and people are looking at this and looking at the plans, and yes, there is no, rep no sign of anything whatsoever being done or anything said about what's likely to happen in Chelsea and the people there now are left in a kind of a vacuum where they don't know whether they're coming or going and uh, this is the situation as it stands today there's a complete lack of uh, information coming through. Uh, I think the custom house development is not a great help to the people because it's leaving them in a position that they just don't know what's happening you know like one day will I get a job the next day God will I get a house and um, I think Dublin Corporation are an awful lot to blame for leaving the people in this position, not only the 27 acres, but Dublin Corporation and the government. Now, all the figures so far have said that numbers in their thousands are going to get work on this development. What do you think of that? 
think it's all pie in the sky. Like, I don't think that you will ever see actually thousands of people walking on the site. What we're worried is that, you know, a builder like McInerney, Hegarty or whoever he may be, comes in on the site. He then goes off and he has subcontractors. Well, these subcontractors bring in busloads of men from God knows where. I don't know where they get them. But it's not fair to the people that are living on the doorstep of the 27 acres. They should be considered. Do you think they won't get work in it? I very much doubt it. We were hoping it would bring a lot of employment, but so far it hasn't. And, you know, if the, the authority could come along and give us some sort of, sort of a written agreement as to even a percentage of the workforce being locals, it might help. But so far we're getting nowhere. Do you think with the new development at the Customs House site that you might get a job? I wouldn't say you'd get a job in there. They're saying that you don't need any um, qualifications or anything like that, that they'd fix you in. But I think that, I don't think that's true. I don't think they will give anyone, you know, jobs like that. What sort of people do you think will get jobs in it? I think it'll be, it'll be people, posh people that'll get them, and people, cultures, you know, that comes up. They'll all get the jobs, I think. You'll probably see one or two from the inner city. They'll say, you know, just to say, well, we took someone on. The 1986 Urban Renewal Act established a statutory body called the Custom House Docks Development Authority with a brief to secure the redevelopment of the 27-acre site. Gus Machalig is Secretary of the Authority. He explained the Authority's commitment to providing jobs for the local community. Well, from the outset, the Authority, uh, first of all, consulted with the trade unions and agreed with the trade unions before entering into the negotiations with any of the developers that all jobs on the site would be unionised be a fully unionised site with no black economy. Secondly, the authority then, in the master project agreement, agreed with the developer that special preference would be made for people from the local communities, and in particular the three parishes um, uh, nearest the area. But in addition to that, the authority is committed also to ensuring that the inner city of Dublin generally gets its fair share of jobs. Now, what will happen is that the uh, authority, first of all, with the developer, have contractually agreed this, and that all contractors coming on the site has to be made aware of this, uh, and all subcontractors and their agents. The authority have interviewed with FOSS and with the developer all the people looking for jobs in the local area, and a total of 650 people have been interviewed to date. All of those 650 people are on the list in the developer's office. So when a contractor who brings his key core of staff in is looking for new um, uh, men to work, <coughs> or women to work on the site, First preference must be given to people on that list. The authority will also, with the developer and with FOSS, will provide, and with the, the, um, the cooperation of the unions, provide for a level of training for apprenticeships, particularly for apprentices, young fellows from the local area, who would not normally have the minimum educational qualification to become a recognised apprentice. And the craft unions have agreed, in certain circumstances where they can do, to uh, lower the educational qualifications and uh, to accept a skills test. Now, some of the people in the area, particularly those living in the Sheriff Street flats, are concerned about the future. What do you think is going to happen to them? Well, the Custom House Docks Authority is confined to the Custom House Docks area itself. But the Minister for the Environment last year um, 
uh, promoted uh, the Urban Renewal Amendment Act, which enabled him to extend the original 27-acre site to include any land between Sheriff Street and the river. To date, he's only extended the area to include the 12 acres south of Sheriff Street uh, for the National Sports Centre. In addition to uh, enabling him to uh, extend the area, the Minister of the Environment set up a committee uh, under the aegis of Dublin Corporation and is chaired by the Assistant City and County Manager responsible for housing to look at the Sheriff Street uh, problem. And that committee, um, together with officials from the Department of the Environment and the Authority, uh, will be making proposals to the Minister for the Environment uh, before the end of September. And the Minister, when he has those proposals before him, will be able to make up his mind uh, what will happen to the Sheriff Street area. He can either uh, leave the area under the responsibility of the corporation or he can extend the Custom House Docks area to include the Sheriff Street area and give the authority a direction to provide local authority type housing to house the people from Sheriff Street. But as there are 365 families living in the Sheriff Street flats, if you were to knock down the flats, you couldn't house the 365 families on the Sheriff Street site because the maximum number of houses that you could possibly get on that site would be between 190 and 210, depending on the provisions of the development plan. But there is enough land owned by public authorities in the parish to house all the people in the parish. Does the authority itself have any view as to what should happen to the land where the flats are? The, the statutory authority itself will await the uh, proposals from the, uh, the committee that was set up by the Minister for the Environment. Uh, that's the membership of the authority. But uh, we have looked, in the executive of the authority has looked at the, um, the, the housing problem down there, and there are really uh, there are three options. The first option would be to do nothing, which is not really a viable option. The second option would be to refurbish the flats, and the authority knows that that is the preferred option of the um, housing section of Dublin Corporation, not necessarily the option of Dublin Corporation as a whole, because they have not uh, expressed an opinion on it. Uh, and uh, the authority is also aware that it would cost a good deal more money uh, to rehouse the people. But the authority will actually uh, it was set up as a statutory authority, and it will implement whatever government decision is given to it. Does it have any preference as to what should happen? I, well, I don't know. I mean, we will put uh, all the options to the authority itself um, uh, when we have the actual proposals uh, from the committee itself. So what do you hope will be the outcome of all of this at the end of the day? I would hope that this would be the biggest urban renewal project in the history of the state. Well, it's certainly that. I would hope it will change the, the face of Sheriff Street, the north inner city as a place to live, a place where people come to. I will change the whole emphasis or uh, readdress the imbalance that has appeared since the early 50s, where the south side was the fashionable place to be and the north side was the unfashionable place to be, and uh, that the, the north inner city again will become a fashionable place. It will be a place where people will be fully employed and that the immediate parishes will benefit most from it. And as for the people in the immediate parishes, I feel that they should build houses for the people in the community. They love their own community. They really do. They're willing, they're willing to live in what they're living in now, in them flats. To stay, they're staying till they can get houses. But they don't want to go anywhere. They really don't want to move, and they're not going to move. And the phrase goes down to the North Wall area. If we don't work, 
Nobody walks on the 27 acres. And they can take me word for that because that's what the whole community say and feel. Why should they move out of the area they were born and raised? I wasn't born and raised in this area. And I certainly wouldn't move out of it. So why should the people who were born and raised in the area move out? For any developer. Uh, it's, it's a community where it's a very close-knit community where people kind of can, uh, you can come out the door and kind of meet people that you've gone to school with or meet your uh, relations. People live in close proximity to each other. Unless we can get something out of the pond, doctor, at least get a couple of years' work out of it. Might bring on a lot of good. Might bring the area a, good, a bit of good as well. You know, it's about 20 people taking a bit of work down here, you know. I think the show, because we now walked down here for a long, long time, you know. So, um, I think they reckon they should deserve a chance, you know. It's like a story, it is. You know, it's this big building get put here, and other buildings get put here, and everyone's going to have jobs. You know, it's like a fairy tale. If you ask me, I think it's just like a fairy tale. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.